Always have a case of the Mondays on a Monday. Always. Just the way it is. That's the that's kind of the deal with Mondays. How you doing, TFJ? What's going on? I don't have a case of the Mondays. No way. No, I'm, I'm doing it. What does that mean, okay. anyhow? I, I don't kind know. Kind of blue? Bummed out? Is that it? Or? I, I guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just you had, might have had a nice weekend, and uh, then you got to get back to work. Now you got to get back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, Well, uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, hopefully, you're happy to be tuning in today. Thank you for tuning in, by the way. Tristan Field-Jones will handle the info today. We've got Jeff Forche producing the show. And uh, here's what we got coming up for you today. All kinds of stuff on the way. You heard in the news there, uh, TFJ was talking about all the weather around us. And finally, finally, spring weather will arrive here in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba this week. So we got to talk about all the weather with my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. He'll join us in about 10 minutes, right after our first break. After Global News at 1.30 with TFJ, Carol Irving will join us on the phone. She is a volunteer for the Children's Hospital Book Market. Um, she, uh, this is the uh, uh, 50th year for the book market. And she's been doing it many, many years. And so we'll talk to Carol coming up here. 400 volunteers. It's raised about $7 million. It's a big deal. It's happening April 19th to 21st. So this week at St. Vitale Mall. So we're going to talk to Carol about that after the news at 1.30. But 1.45, I want to play a conversation that I had this morning with Annie Quinton. Her mom is running in the Boston Marathon. And they're both down there. And I'm hoping to talk to Annie's mom, but just in case, I wanted to chat with uh, Annie, and we'll play that for you at about 1.45, and then we'll keep our fingers crossed that her mom, after she's done running the Boston Marathon today, will feel like talking to us, because the weather there is sort of ugly and miserable. 2 o'clock, the news, and then right after, Lorraine McNabb, global news television anchor, Lorraine McNabb, in St. Paul. She's there with the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll talk to her. A bunch of stuff she's... Uh, following today down there as the Jets uh, as the Jets fall behind. Uh, sorry, they're still ahead, uh, but they now lead 2-1 after that win. Uh, pretty decisive win, too, by the Minnesota Wild last night. Tough trivia. This is exciting. Uh, giving away a $100 gift card for Kitchens Today. And then once you win that gift card, you are in, you have qualified to win Hal's Kitchen, a $5,000 makeover of your kitchen my kitchens today. So that's coming up at about 2.15. 2.30, the news. And then we're going to talk to Jeanette Sadek-Khan. She is in town for an event called Mode Shift. And let me just read a little bit about Mode Shift. Uh, Mode Shift is a series of exciting presentations. She gives hers tonight, and she'll join us on the show today. Uh, also, discussions and workshops in the rapidly changing world of modern transportation. And boy... Uh, is that uh, timely for Winnipeg, right? She has a book out called Street Fight, Handbook for an Urban Revolution. And I'm really interested to talk to her. She has been involved really right around the world when it comes to urban transportation policy. Um, she has helped New York City uh, make some big changes there, including the pedestrianiza- pedestrianization, i got to be careful how, to say, how I say that, of Times Square and New York City's nearly 400 miles of new bike lanes. So I'm going to really be uh, curious to know what she has to say about Portage and Maine and about our drive here in Winnipeg 
to become more connected with a bike path network. So we'll talk to her, Jan- uh, Jeanette Sadek Khan, after the news at 2.30. Got to talk about the Rock Hall of Fame. Got to talk about The Walking Dead. Um, I, I'll warn you right now, I'll give you a, a plenty of time. I'll warn you, spoiler alert, all that kind of stuff before I start talking Walking Dead because I know some people uh, record it. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, a, I was getting a little bit perturbed with The Walking Dead. The storyline this year, the Negan thing was kind of going on and on. But last night now at the finale, I think they've kind of set us up for an exciting next phase of the show. What do you think? If you want to comment on that, you certainly can. 204-780-6868. Rochelle Squires, Manitoba Status of Women Minister, will join us after the news at 3 o'clock on this third-party reporting, which you heard about in the news there with Tristan Field-Jones. And we mentioned this on the weekend. I think the story came out last week, but we were talking about it on Hal Anderson Weekends, uh, Savannah Pierce and myself and Austin Saragusa. This new condiment. There's a new condiment called mayo chop. Basically, it's ketchup and mayo. That's what it is. And muchos kilos, me, Shanner, and Timmy, my band of big guys, we've done a song called mayo chop. So we'll have that for you at about 3.15. So as you can see, we have all kinds of stuff we have to get to. So let's take a quick break here. 109. When we come back, we'll talk to my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. So stay right there. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. And at 114, my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, joins us on the phone. Hello, Bruce. Hello. I actually have good news this time, so you'll enjoy that. Okay. Give it to us. Well, the good news is we missed the first part of the good news is we missed that storm. The highest snowfall amount was near Amherst, Michigan, or uh, Wisconsin, it was 33 inches, which is 84 centimeters of snow. Wow. And we got nothing. <laughs> yes. Pretty much what we're going to get. I mean, there may be a little bit of something Wednesday, but that wouldn't even, well, wouldn't uh, accumulate, and it's not going to be much of anything. It may not even happen. So I really don't see much. But you know what I do see? Hmm. We might actually have maybe a parade in Winnipeg next weekend because we might get to 15 by then. You think we might get to plus 15 by Saturday, Sunday? Sunday, Monday. of, of Yeah, Sunday, Monday, it might get to 15. Wow. Wouldn't that be nice, eh? Because, yeah. I mean, today they're saying. It would saying, actually be above average. Yeah. Uh, right. Above average after all this time below average. And and listen, our weather is, uh, I, I know we complained about the cold hanging in there and the spring weather kind of slow getting here. But when you look at all the weather around us, what Ontario went through south of oh, us yeah. in the Twin Cities, Alberta. I mean, we are so lucky to have missed all this weather. It's all around us. Exactly. I mean, it's horrible. Imagine 84 centimeters of snow on the ground, what that would do to our temperatures. And, well, the planting season for farmers, it would it would be terrible because I'm pressure washing vehicles now, you know, tractors and so forth now. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> Had 84 centimeters of snow, it would be weeks before we could do anything. Yeah. Well, and not to mention what that might need for, you know, you know mean for the flood forecasters. I mean, wow. We have dodged a few snow bullets this year it certainly got colder earlier and it hung around longer but when it comes to snow we really did get off easy this year 
Yeah, we really did. And this one was probably one of the worst spring storms ever, and we missed the whole thing. Hmm. Wow. Say that again. What's the number? How many inches? And in, what is that in centimeters? It's 84 centimeters. It's 33 inches. It's near Amherst in Wisconsin, and it's 84 centimeters of snow. You shouldn't even imagine that yeah. at one, out of one storm. I mean, that would be terrible. That's almost three feet of snow. I know. It's wow. terrible. Yeah, it is, because 36 yeah. inches would be three feet. It's right. Three inches short of three feet. That's yeah. terrible. That is crazy. All right, So, but the good news, back to us, the good news is the sunshine continues. Maybe a little something midweek, but nothing serious. And then you say maybe 15 plus 15 by Sunday or Monday. That might happen. Yeah, everything's uh, going around. It's, everything's going still south of us. So this next one might be even closer to Texas. So we're we're not going to get much of anything out of that. And then it's it's going to be sunny more often than not. And there really isn't much. I mean, meteorologically, it's boring, but I'll take that. Yeah, I will too. Hey, Bruce, thanks a lot, pal. I really appreciate your appreciate your help again. And on the weekend, you were invaluable, uh, able to tell us what might be coming for the Twin Cities, and a lot of people uh, headed down for the game. And so, thanks for your help with that. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and and, and a lot of people are happy that we didn't get it here. So yes, right, exactly. All right, Bruce, thank you. Talk soon. Uh, okay. That is my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. By the way, he has a great weather website. If you want to get to that, easiest thing to do is just go to my site. You'll get to Bruce's through my site, halanderson.ca, halanderson.ca, all right? Um, Now, um, so that's good news for us. 15 degrees possibly by Sunday or Monday, and we dodged a whole bunch of snow. So that is definitely good news. Hey, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about movies on the weekend. I heard Brett McGarry this morning on Mackling and McGarry, 6 to 10 a.m. here on CJOB weekdays. I heard Brett say that he went and saw A Quiet Place, and he really enjoyed that. That's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time in the theater. I really enjoyed it as well. It was number two on the weekend. I'll let you know what number one was, first of all. Number one was the new movie that The Rock is in. It's called... Rampage, and it's based on a video game from the 80s. Take a listen. Last night, George was seven feet and weighed 500 pounds. This morning, he's nine feet pushing 1,000. Yes, Rampage. Number one, $34.5 million. Number two, A Quiet Place, really, as Brett said this morning, highly recommend it. He highly recommends it. I do as well. A Quiet Place ended up in second place with $32.6 million. In a quiet place, if they hear you, Ah! they hunt you. A Quiet Place is the most original and scariest movie in years. And now it's 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. A Quiet Place, rated PG-13. No longer 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, but very close to 100%, 96% or 7%. I was talking to Brett in the hall this morning, and uh, I said, uh, don't you think they kind of at the end set it up for a sequel? And he goes, yeah, probably, but I hope, I kind of hope they don't do a sequel because it was that good. You always kind of worry when they start talking sequels, right? Because it really is a, a fantastic movie. 
Uh, number three, Bloomhouse's Truth or Dare. Here's some of the trailer. What are your intentions with our sweet Olivia? I needed to find someone with friends that I could trick into coming here. I could tell Olivia was an easy target. I brought you all up here because I'm okay with strangers dying if it means I get to live. What the hell? The game's real. Okay, wherever you go, whatever you do, it'll find you. Bloomhouse's Truth or Dare, 19.1 million. Good for third place in fourth, rounding out the top five here. In fourth place, Ready Player One. That's the Steven Spielberg movie, 11.2 million. And at number five, Blockers, 10.3 million. That looks kind of funny, actually. A bunch of moms and dads trying to stop their daughters from having sex. Blockers, number five, $10.3 million. So there you go. There's the rundown of the weekend box office. And as the weekend gets closer, we'll start talking about what is new in theaters this coming weekend. Okay? All right. So uh, hang on for that. Oh, uh, I got a text message here. I was talking about the new song from Muchos Kilos, Me, Shiner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. It's called Mayo Chup, a new condiment that they've come up with. Dustin says, Hal, mayo and ketchup is called fancy sauce. Yes, Dustin, you're absolutely right. I did not know that. I had never heard of mayo chup or mayonnaise and ketchup before. Uh, It is called fancy sauce. It's also called fry sauce. Apparently in some parts of the States, people eat it with their uh, uh, French fries. And uh, they've come out with this new condiment, and it's called mayo chup. And it's not going to be available here, I don't believe. I think they're actually starting in the Arab Gulf states. But then they plan on rolling it out in the U.S. and I guess at some point in Canada as well. Heinz Mayo Chop. Anyhow, uh, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys, saw the story. We were talking about it. We've done a song. So we'll have that song for you coming up a little later on. I think I've got it penned in for about 3.15. All right, 3.15. Um, now, we got a couple minutes here. Let me just uh, talk about a couple things, some questions I may throw out there if you want to reply and uh, weigh in on at 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Uh, oh, I want to talk to today about the passing of Art Bell on the weekend. Art Bell, um, he was just a, a great broadcaster. He did all those crazy shows. I'm going to play a clip later. Yesterday on my weekend show, I played a clip of him talking to that guy at Area 51, kind of a classic clip from Art Bell. I found another one today, and I'll play it if we have time today. He was 72, by the way. Um, He just had another baby, like just really kind of sad, and he was so good on the radio, just fantastic on the radio. And the clip I found today, if I have time to play it, is he gets sent in an email some sounds from hell. Sounds from hell, and he played them on his on his radio show. Anyhow, uh, speaking of food, as I go through my other stories here that we'll squeeze in wherever we can, talking about mayo chup, right, this new condiment. There's a restaurant in North Carolina that has unveiled a new burger. It's called the Tarantula Burger. And why? Well, because does it consist of... A tarantula? Hmm? Does it? No, apparently not. Uh, Apparently not. 
I'll tell you about that coming up a little later on. Have you changed your privacy settings on Facebook? I'm reading that people are screaming and hollering about it, but that they're not actually changing their privacy settings. Are you changing your privacy settings? 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. I've also got a list of signs that will help you find out if your coworkers secretly hate you. (laughs) So I may share those. Maybe you want to share with me, 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com, ways that you may know that uh, your coworkers secretly hate you. I've got a study we're going to talk about today. Apparently women have more stamina than men. Uh, A lot of people expecting to work past the age of 70. Are you planning on working past the age of 70? Is it because you want to or is it because you have to? I'd be curious to know. Uh, There's a new, you know, we talk about smartphones. There's a new dumb phone. Samsung is out with what it calls a dumb phone. This is to try and wean people off an addiction to social media. It's called a dumb phone. So we'll talk about that uh, on the show here today as well. All right, so as you can see, we have lots of stuff coming up here. Let me just look at what today is. Uh, Well, of course, today, Boston Marathon Day today, Four Square Day, Mushroom Day, Bean Counter Day, Eggs Benedict Day. I love Eggs Benny. Eggs Benny is phenomenal. Not really very good for you. That's a pretty rich sauce, but boy, is that good. Healthcare Decisions Day today, Librarian Day, Orchid Day. Just had the big orchid show in Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago. It's Stress Awareness Day today, Patriots Day, and Save the Elephant Day today. I dug up some interesting info on elephants. We'll try and squeeze that in as well, all right? Hal Anderson on CJOB. The news with Tristan Field-Jones at 1.30 is coming right up. Thank you, TFJ. Coming up on 1.33 at CJOB. Happy Monday. Hal Anderson here. And coming up on Thursday is the uh, Children's Hospital book market at St. Vitale Mall. Thursday, Friday, and on Saturday as well. And joining us now to talk about it, Carol Irving. Hi, Carol. Hi, Hal. How are you? Great. Can't believe it's been a year since we talked already. Well, you know, the older you get, the faster the time flies. (laughs) That's a good one. I've been saying that you're 70. I hope you're okay with that. Well, you know, actually, I'm 72 and proud of it. Wow. Okay, then. I uh, stand corrected. How many years have you been doing uh, this book market? It's been so many years. Uh, well, it would be about 30 years, Hal. Wow. 30 years. 30 and, remarkable years. Yeah. No kidding. It, it really is remarkable. And, and this week is, is volunteer week. And so what drew you to the event? What, what, uh, why did you get involved and why have you stuck around so long? Well, actually, my aunt, Dorothy Ferris, was one of the original book marketeers. And she lost a son to brain cancer. And she uh, was uh, advised by her doctors that she needed to become involved in something that where she could volunteer that involved children, helping children. And so that is what she did. And she volunteered for over 50 years. Wow. Now, just became kind of a family obligation Uh, But it was a very nice obligation that you volunteered at Book Market. 
And I found that once I started volunteering that I absolutely loved it. It's a whole new life for me. I've made a whole new set of friends. And it is such a wonderful, worthwhile project. I'm just so proud to be able to volunteer and be a part of it. Well, you should be proud. I mean, this event has raised something like $7 million. It's been going for 58 years, uh, 400 volunteers. You're one of 400 people that kind of makes this thing happen. I mean, uh, talk a little bit about why it's been so rewarding. You touched on it there, but uh, maybe talk about the rewards for you. Uh, obviously, we, we see the numbers and the rewards of the hard work you put into it, but what's been in it for you as we try to encourage other people to volunteer? Well, I guess uh, in a very um, small way, um, it meant to me that it was a way of remembering my cousin. We were very close. He was very young when he died, but we were very close. And I think of him often when I'm volunteering. So that's something that really, uh, you know, makes me forge forward. The other thing is, is the programs that we have supported over the years. When you look at those programs, you say, the work that I have done, the hard back-breaking work, has allowed us to support these wonderful programs. And that's the clown program at the hospital, the music therapy program at the hospital. And in 2013, we donated um, a fair chunk of money to the food carts, new food carts at the Children's Hospital for young patients who are long-term patients at the hospital. And these wonderful little food carts They're child-friendly. They're decorated with bears and fruits and vegetables. Very cheerful little things. Now, children who are in the hospital, they have very few choices. They can't choose not to have a needle. They can't choose not to have a test. But when they go for their breakfast, their lunch, or their dinner, that is a choice that they can make because the food is all displayed in the carts at iView for the children, and they can point to something and say, I would like to have that. So it is a choice that they actually get to make in their sometimes very, very tiresome lives when they are sick in the hospital. So that is something that all volunteers at Children's Hospital Book Market are very proud of. We just absolutely love those little food carts. We've also contributed to research over the years, And there's wonderful research that goes on at the Children's Hospital and at the Children's Hospital Foundation. And we should, again, all be very proud of that. And as well, for the last few years, we have supported the Child Life Department, which is located right inside the Children's Hospital. And we support the two libraries there. There's a library there for uh, adults if they wanted to do research regarding illnesses that their children may have. And we also uh, support the children's library there and the little book corner and the book cart that goes around to deliver books to the children. And we also support the Children's Hospital uh, television network right in the hospital. And the children uh, can participate uh, in that television program. Sometimes they're on the TV themselves. It's just a wonderful, wonderful project. And so those are all things that keep me going and really encourage me to continue to volunteer and to kind of what I see as fulfilling my obligation to my aunt. 
Very well said. Boy, that was uh, fantastic, Carol. Uh, you know, especially the part where you talk about the kids at Children's Hospital not having a lot of choices, right? And those little, uh, it really is so important, right, that they get those little victories, those little choices that they can make. And, and you're right, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but boy, to those kids that are there uh, that are sick and trying to get better, it is a big deal. It is a big deal, and it's a happy part of their day three times a day. Yeah. Anybody who's, uh, listen, there are moms and dads out there that have been in children's hospital with their kids. If you ever get a chance uh, to, uh, I hope you never have to be there with your kids, but if you get a chance to tour or go and check it out, it, it's an amazing place. You can't help but leave with a smile on your face. It's it's just a wonderful place, Carol. And, and uh, so let me ask you this, you know, you've talked about what this means to you. How much longer do you want to do this? You're 72. I mean, you could, you could sort of walk away. And, and nobody would, would blame you. They would appreciate all the effort you've put in. Do you want to keep going as long as you can? I absolutely do. And, you know, everybody needs a reason to get up in the morning, Hal. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons that I like to get up in the morning and go to book market. And we just have such an enormous amount of fun there. It's a wonderful place to volunteer. And when new volunteers come to us, they can't believe what a wonderful time they have, how kind everybody is. We just, there's laughter all of the time. It's really just a remarkable place. And I have heard that from so many volunteers who just say, wow, this is really a unique place. And it is indeed a unique place to come and volunteer. Let's talk about book market for a bit. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, St. Vitale Mall. You know, uh, it seems like we're all reading on our phones and our, our tablets Uh, not uh, sitting down with a book so much anymore, but yet this event is as big as ever. Why is that? Well, I think a couple of reasons. I think that Children's Hospital Book Market has been around for 58 years. And I think we have become known as a hat or a Winnipeg phenomenon, however you care to think about it. And we just have found our prices are so reasonable Uh, Where can you go to buy a book that perhaps might cost you $18 or $20 elsewhere, but you might buy it from us at $3? Plus, there's that segment of people who come to shop at our sale. They know that they are supporting a wonderful cause. I don't think that there's ever going to be a time when people do not want to hold a book in their hand. I have a 33-year-old daughter. We all know that that age group, they're into, you know, all the technology. But she likes to have a book in her hand. Yeah, there is something about it. I I agree completely. Hey, um, so obviously we want people to come out to the book market, St. Vitale Mall, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're helping out Children's Hospital. I know people wait for this event to stock up on books that they can read for, for weeks and for months. Um, I know a lot of people also stick their books to the side so that when, uh, you know, they can give them to you for the book market. Uh, What time of the year do you do that? Take all the donations of books. Well, you can take your books 365 days a year, 24-7, to any Winnipeg Fire Hall. Uh That's where our drop-off locations are. And also, you can drop books off at Dufresne uh, Fine Furniture and Appliances. They are our our corporate sponsor, Mm -hmm. and we are very, very grateful. You know, we have so many people who support us, Hal. 
St. Vitale Center has supported us for 33 years, yeah. allowing us to come into their wonderful mall and hold our sale. You know, people are just unaware of the support that we have in the background. Those small, unknown people and firms and companies who support us. Mm-hmm. We're so grateful to all of them. Well, Carol, keep it up. 30 years and, and going strong. It's uh, it's a great story. You're a wonderful Winnipegger and a wonderful Manitoban, and thank you for all your efforts. And thank you to all the people of Manitoba who have supported us for 58 years. Hey, Carol, before... thank you, Hal, for supporting us as well. Anytime. You you know I'm there anytime you need me. Hey, uh, Carol, I want to read a text message I just got from Noreen, okay? All right. Hal, the food carts at the Children's Hospital are just amazing. My son was on a restricted diet after surgery, but there still was enough for him to have a good meal. Even though he was 12 at the time and in and out, uh, the staff just made the stay easier and... Him being able to choose what he ate made a huge difference for him, made being at the hospital easier. Thank you to Carol and all the volunteers. So that's from Noreen. So there you go, Carol. That's what it's all about. Wonderful. Isn't that wonderful? And because of the citizens of Manitoba donating books and supporting us, coming to our sales, we can continue to do this terrific work. Carol, I will mention it again many times that they can uh, go to St. Vitale Mall Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'll be on it this week for you. Thank you so much, Hal. All right. You enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Carol Irving, she has been doing the Children's Hospital book market for about 30 years. This is the 58th year. They've raised about $7 million. Oh, did I mention Carol is 72? 72 and no plans on giving it up. She's going to keep going. One of about 400 volunteers that makes this event happen Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at St. Vitell Mall. All right? Um, I see you on the phone there, Leslie. We'll talk in a second. We've got to take a quick break, though. We're coming up on quarter to two, just about 1.45 at CJOB. 149 News at 2. Leslie has been patiently waiting on the phone. 204-780-6868. Hello, Leslie. What did you want to say? Hi, I would like to talk about the pipelines and oil. The and uh, the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Yeah, go Trans ahead. Trans Mountain. And uh, I, I'm just looking, I, I just want to say, and i sort of written it out, um, in September, the federal government will be charging uh, carbon tax to Canadian businesses and Canadians. Yet, we'll be supplying the main polluting countries with oil through the Trans Mountain Line. The federal government should apply our carbon tax to the buyers of the tar sands oil. Um, the, uh, or, you know, this, there should, we sh- Canadians shouldn't have to pay for the carbon tax. Right. Yeah, like if, we, if we're paying it, they should have to pay it is your point. That's right. Yeah. And we should, they, the government should scrap the carbon tax or stop selling oil to the major polluting countries of the world. Okay. Leslie, thank you. It's out there. What's uh, good for the goose, I guess, is, is good for the gander, is her point. If we got to pay it, they should have to pay it. And Sophie is on the phone, 204-780-6868. Hi, Sophie. Hello. How are you today? Excellent. What did you want to say? Great. Um, I'd like to give a plug to... Uh, a particular individual. I saw this in a 55-plus learning center creative retirement book from the library. Mm-hmm. 
and the lady's name is Isabella Dryden, and she turned 12017, and she teaches introductory to computers level one, level two, and Microsoft Office. Wow. To older adults, to older adults. And I thought it would be worthy of a phone call because this is just fascinating. She's just an inspiration. Well, and it's Volunteer Week, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have, uh, you know, Carol Irving on, too, uh, because yeah. the book market's coming up, but also because she's a great example of volunteerism. And so I'm glad you pointed that story out. And that's a local yeah. person? That's a local person, Isabella Dryden, and she's 100 years old in 2017. Wow, that is fantastic. Teaching, yeah, teaching older adults computers. Excellent. And I, I just thought that's an inspiration because there's so many friends of mine that are, no, I don't want to learn it and all that. Yeah. It's just a fear of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I just thought this was neat. Very, yes. very neat. Yeah. Sophie, thanks a lot. I appreciate the call. Yeah. I, I think the government should have some kind of an award for 95 plus or 90 plus to, you know, to like an inspirational award or something. Well, there certainly Mm -hmm. are awards for for volunteerism and stuff, but thanks for the call, Sophie. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, and if you, listen, if you know somebody out there, it is Volunteer Week. If you know somebody out there who's a great volunteer, I'd be happy to hear the story. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. So today they are running the Boston Marathon. And uh, there are Winnipeggers and Manitobans running in the Boston Marathon, including Jane Quinton. Now, we hope to talk to Jane here on uh, CGOB when she is done running the marathon in Boston today. But I spoke a few hours, two and a half hours ago with her daughter, Annie Quinton, who is down in Boston cheering her mom on. Take a listen. Well, hello, Annie. Hi. How is your mom doing running the Boston Marathon? Whereabouts is she? She's great. She started at 10.40, her way started, so she's probably like getting close to the halfway mark, but um, I'm not. it probably is a lot slower. They said it's the slowest race um, they've seen, I guess, in history. Well, and that's because of the weather. Tell us what it's like there. Um, it's about four, four degrees and just like downpouring rain and kind of like sheets. Um, it's super windy. It's cold, um, not ideal running conditions, that's for sure. <laughs> no kidding, yeah. How did your mom end up down there running in the Boston Marathon? Tell me the story. She picked up running about three years ago, um, never really long distance ran ever, and then ran a couple half marathons and kind of caught the bug of, of running marathons. So she qualified for Boston in Fargo of, in May long of 2017. And then um, made it here. So she, this is her first Boston Marathon, and she's very excited. And uh, it's amazing to kind of watch her journey of, of how she qualified and just how far she's come in her training. It's amazing. So it's, we're very happy to watch her run today. Yeah, I'll bet. Can I ask how old your mom is? She's 52. 52 and just kind of started this a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow, good for her. That's fantastic. I know, it's crazy. You said your mom was excited. Was she nervous as well this morning? I mean, this is the Boston Marathon. I know. She's very, very nervous, kind of more just about what to wear, um, like shorts or leggings, like you're running in just crazy conditions outside. So she she was pretty nervous about, about it all this morning, but excited too. I bet. Have you run into any other Winnipeggers or Manitobans down there? Um, yes. I think there's uh, two other uh, Winnipeggers kind of in my mom's, 
run group that are down here as well. Um, one by the name of her name is Shelly, and um, I think there's a couple others mm-hmm. uh, from Manitoba that are running as well. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks for taking a few minutes here with us. I really hope we can chat with your mom when she's done. But just in case, I wanted to get you on and at least get your mom's story out there. I think this is fantastic. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Annie Quinton, her mom Jane, is running in the Boston Marathon. And as I mentioned there at the end, we hope to chat with her after she is done the run. That was a conversation I had with Annie a couple of hours ago. Coming up on 2 o'clock, the news is coming up. Global News at 2 with Tristan Field-Jones. And then after 2, we're going to talk to Global News TV anchor Loren McNabb down in St. Paul. And Tough Trivia is on the way as well. Your chance at a $100 gift card for Kitchens Today. And if you win it by answering our Tough Trivia question, you will be entered to win the big grand prize of $5,000 kitchen makeover from Kitchens Today, Hal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you, TFJ204. And uh, joining us now live from the Twin Cities, St. Paul, it is Global News Television anchor Lauren McNabb. Hello, Lauren. Hi, nice to be on again, Hal. Yeah, thank you. We got a bit of a delay, so I'll just uh, kind of ask my question and I'll shut up and let you talk, okay? So uh, you had a harrowing weekend. We'll get to what's going on down there today, and we'll talk a little bit about the game last night that didn't really go the way we wanted it to go. But talk a bit about getting down there because you and some other Winnipeggers and Manitobans had quite the trip, or at least the last couple of hours was uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, I wanted to pretend like I'm a hearty Manitoban and I'm fine with any bad weather that gets thrown at me. But what happened Saturday and well into last night was really quite incredible. I think the snowfall totals uh, this morning were a foot and a half in Minneapolis-St. Paul, two feet in some parts. And we were driving through that on Saturday, going 30 kilometers kilometers per hour for that last hour and sort of you know gripping the wheel and just hoping that we made it and we did but we weren't alone there was hundreds of Manitobans that came down and had that journey and boy they're still clearing up the snow today yeah you know as I watched the game and I saw Winnipeggers in the crowd and the score you know certainly did not go our way and it was sort of frustrating watching I felt bad for the people that drove down and then had to sit there and and watch that game go down it did not uh, end the way we wanted it to end jet still up 2-1 um, but I'm I imagine you're running into a lot of Minnesota Wild fans who are very happy about uh, that win Oh, yeah. You know, when the, when we went into the game, I think we were all feeling really good, right? You're up to nothing. And I had a lot of wild fans telling me that, you know, they had, they just hoped that they'd be able to get that one win. And, and then the difference from that sort of hope at the start of the game to what I would call a little bit of cockiness by the end of the game, Hal, was quite a lot of fun. And in fact, you know, we were back in the hotel and I overheard a few Jets fans wanting to go back out to hit the streets and go to the bar and that kind of thing. And they had this debate like, do we wear our Jets jerseys back out there? Like, do we think we can handle that for the rest of the night? But they did. They kept their Jets jerseys on and everyone I spoke to this morning disappointed with that loss. But I know a lot of people still had fun down here last night. Yeah. Well, now the good news is they've got to come home and win it here, right? We've got to win the series uh, back here in Winnipeg at Bell MTS Place and uh, Whiteout Way on Donald there between uh, Portage and St. Mary. So there is a silver lining here. Hey, I know you were trying to find a Winnipegger down there who lives down there. Were you able to do that today? 
There's a lot of them, actually, Hal, and we spoke to one. He's fascinating. His name is Jonathan Braverman. He's been down here for about 11 years, but he's not hiding his love of Winnipeg. You know, he has the mud flats or the Winnipeg Jets. His license plate, it may say Minnesota, but there's a Winnipeg Jets sticker. He's got, uh, you know, his, his logo inside the car that says Jets. He's got Jets flags, and he's got one of his kids, not both of his kids, but one of his kids, at least, cheering for the Jets. So I bet in that house they have a lot of fun. But we spoke to him today. He was really great. And we also got to a place that we're going to showcase on the 6 o'clock news tonight called Little Canada, a little wee community t- kind of tucked right in St. Paul that uh, has a lot of Canadian connections, which is kind of cool. So lots to showcase. All right. And that'll be at 6 o'clock tonight on Global News Television, of course. And, and one more thing. I, you're going to explain for me something that I was wondering about. They were showing outside shots of the uh, arena down there. And there was a big picture there, and it said the words, Our Ice. Explain this to me. This is kind of cool. Yeah, I thought it was a really great idea. I went in to talk to the Wild uh, vice president yesterday. He's in charge of, you know, the game day entertainment. And I went in asking him that, you know, Winnipeggers, we feel really good about our whiteout, and we're proud of that, and we know that gets showcased across the NHL. And I wanted to know what is it at the Excel Energy Center that the Wild have that they really hold on to. And they've done a really cool thing this year. Last September, they asked anybody uh, in Minnesota who wanted to to provide water from their lake or river or backyard pond. Uh, Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes. And as he said, in the winter, it's the land of 10,000 rinks. And so what they've done, they collected all this water. They brought it to the rink. They said they got 2,000 uh, bottles in the fall and then over the course of the year have collected more. And they filter that water out and then they put a bit of it into the Zamboni every game. And so every second period, a bit of ice or water from across the state gets put on to the the ice that the Wild play on. So when they say that this is our ice, they mean that for the collective of the state. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Lorraine, thank you very much. We will watch for you tonight on television. Lorraine McNabb, Global News Television anchor Lorraine McNabb down in St. Paul. And she mentioned there that they have 10,000 lakes. I will just point out that we have 100,000 lakes here in the province of Manitoba. We win again. We win again, Minnesota. Um, ugh, it was it was tough watching last night, though. I I, I right away thought, well, hey, but they're going to come back and, and they're going to win it here now, right? You know, there was some buzz after they won the first two pretty easily. There was some buzz about, you know, get the brooms out and stuff. But uh, I thought that Coach uh, Paul Maurice uh, said it best last night, uh, you know, referring uh, to uh, uh, Philadelphia and uh, Pittsburgh and saying, listen, we, you know, we, we're here to play seven games. We'll play as many as it takes. You can't expect to take uh, four in a row. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's uh, it is what it is. And we still have a great team. And uh, now they're going to hopefully win and then come back and and win it here. We'll have to wait and see just how it goes down. By the way, if you're looking for kind of a a cool story, uh, go to cjob.com or globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. There is a story online right now about, uh, she's actually a Calgary author who has written a kid's book. It's called Whiteout, a Winnipeg Jet story. And the book actually predicts that the Jets win the Stanley Cup. (laughs) So if you want to read that story, you can find that on the websites, cjob.com, globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. 2-11. We'll take a quick break. Winning on the way, so don't go far.
All right, 2.15, quarter after 2, time for tough trivia. If you get the question correct at 204-780-6868, you will win a $100 gift card from Kitchens Today. And you'll be entered to win the big grand prize from Kitchens Today, Hal's Kitchen, a $5,000 kitchen makeover. But you got to get the question today right to get the $100 gift card, and then you're in to win the big one, okay? So here's the question. 204-780-6868. of couples say sharing this with each other is a major step in their relationship. What is it? 51% of couples, over half of couples, say sharing this with each other is a major step in their relationship. 204 780 6868. 204-780-6868. Let's go to the phone. Get the right answer here. Hi. Hello. Have you got a guess? Hello. Okay. Mm, Listen to your phone, not your radio, please. Hi, CGOB. Hi. How are Hi. you? Good. Got a guess? Uh, I'm going to guess secrets. Secrets. No, not secrets. Sorry. Hi, CJOB. Hello. Hi. Have you got a guess? Um, a hairbrush. Not a hairbrush. No. Thank you. Hi, CJOB. Hello. Hi. Yeah. What's I'm your guess? I'm going to say share doing the dishes. Not share doing the dishes, no. 51% of couples say sharing this with each other is a major step in their relationship. What would that be? Hi. Hi, uh, bank account? Not a bank account. Good guess, though, but not that. No. Hi, CJOB. Hello, have you got a guess? Yeah, you got to listen to your phone, not the radio. Good idea to turn your radio down if you're calling, actually. Okay, yes, what's your guess? Uh, Desserts. Desserts, yeah, two forks and one big dessert. No, not the correct answer. Hi, CJOB. Is it sharing your uh, cell phone pin numbers? No, it is not. Very, very good guess, though. You're kind of on the right track, kind of on the right track. Hi, CJOB. I didn't hear what it was, but... Uh, he said uh, cell phone cell phone pin number, I think is what he said. Oh, toothbrush is what I'm saying. No, not your toothbrush, no. Hi, CJOB. Is it bank account? Not bank account. Already had that one. 51% of couples say sharing this with each other is a major step in their relationship. What would that be? Hi. Uh, the cell phone plan? No. Good Ooh. guess. No. No. Hi, CJOB. Hello. Yes, it, it's the bathroom. Not the bathroom. No. Hi, CJOB. What if the email? Not emails. No. Hi, CJOB. Hi. What about your password? Uh, for what? Computer passwords. Uh, no. Would you care to take one more stab at what kind of password? Bank password. Bank password. No, sorry. I gave you a chance. It is a password of some kind. A password for what? Thank you, by the way. You've helped everybody else out to win this $100 gift card from Kitchens today. Hi. Hi, Al. Is it social media passwords? No, not your social media password. No. Hi, CJOB. Social media password. No, we just had that. Not the correct answer. We'll get it pretty quickly here, I think. Hi, CJOB. That's what I was going to guess, but uh, alarm code for apartment or something? No, thank you. Hello, CJOB. Alarm code for apartment or something? Hello, listen to your phone, not your radio. All right, I tried. Hi, CJOB. Hi, the cell phone unlock passcode? No, darn it, anyhow. 
It's a password. Password to what? Think about what you have a password for. Hi, CJOB. Your email account. No. Hello, CJOB. Nobody there. Hi, CJOB. Hello, CJOB. Hello. Hello. Yes, what's your answer? Uh, would you mind to repeat the question, please? I'm sorry? Would you mind to repeat the question? 51% of couples say sharing this with their with uh, each other is a major step in their relationship. It's a password of some kind. What is it? Uh, Bill. No. Hello, CJOB. Hey, is it voicemail password? No. Think entertainment. Entertainment. Hello. Hello. Hi. Got a guess? It, yeah, is it the bank password? <laughs> no. We've had that a few times. Hi, CGO. I don't know what more to say. I, I, other than give you password. Netflix password. Yes. Oh, finally. What is your name? Holy smoke. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. What's your name? <laughs> My name is Kevin. Kevin, congratulations. You have just won a $100 gift card for Kitchens Today, and now you are qualified to win Hal's Kitchen, which is a $5,000 kitchen makeover from Kitchens Today. That's excellent. Yes. Good Love for you, it. Kevin. I'm going to put you on Thank hold you. here. Okay, pal? You betcha, buddy. All right. Kevin's going to talk to uh, uh, Jeff Forche, the producer of this show, and get all signed up for that. We'll do it again tomorrow. Another $100 gift card for Kitchens Today. Your chance to uh, maybe win a $5,000 kitchen makeover. 220, 20 after 2. We got some time here, so let me uh, uh, share a couple things here with you. I thought this was kind of interesting. Domino's, you're no longer going to have to be at home or work to order Domino's. Listen. Take a listen. Domino's has been delivering pizzas to homes and offices for 50 years. Now the chain says it's ready to get you a pie even if you're not at what is commonly considered a street address. The company says its mobile phone app has 150,000 outdoor delivery locations. The Gateway Arch in St. Louis, for example, or the statue of the late James Brown in Augusta, Georgia. Drivers can meet you at the curb. You might want to tell them what you're wearing to make you easier to spot. The company has been aggressive in its efforts to expand delivery beyond phone calls. Now tweets and text can get you pizzas as well as a phone call. Warren Levinson, New York. Interesting, eh? Hmm. Thought that was kind of cool. Um, I mentioned earlier, if you missed it on the weekend, Art Bell passed away, 72 years old, and uh, he was just great on the radio. I I loved Art Bell on the radio. You know, radio is kind of all about uh, theater of the mind and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he was great at that. He, you know, he would talk about conspiracy theories and the paranormal and UFOs and crop circles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he was his own producer, engineer, and host when he started out. Fans, including celebrities like William Shatner and Josh Groban, the singer, took to Twitter to praise Bell. Groban recalled staying up late to listen to the host's one-of-a-kind voice and how his shows were so weird and spooky, but somehow manage, uh, managed to hold off your skepticism. It's absolutely true. I didn't even care if the things he was talking about were, were real or uh, a lot of people said that, you know, maybe he cooked some of the stuff up. I don't think so. I think he was talking about stuff that people legitimately brought to him, whether he believed it. Sometimes you could tell that he did or you thought he did believe it. Other times... Not so much. I got a text message from Tim, 204-780-6868. Uh, 
There was an Art Bell interview, Hal, called Mel's Hole. It was about a farmer that had a hole that went so far down, the bottom was never discovered. Art Bell kept it to himself if the interview was fake or not. Also, I believe he interviewed um, Al Bielik about the Philadelphia experiment. Both fascinating interviews. Rest in peace, Art Bell. Absolutely. Rest in peace, Art um, do I have time here? I do. I have just enough time to play this. This is classic Art Bell. Here is Art Bell reading from an interview that he, or reading from an email that he got. And after he reads the email, he plays what the uh, person who sent him the email called Sounds from Hell. <laughs> Take a listen. I warn you, uh, this could scare you. Here's the email. Dear Art Bell, I just recently began listening to your radio show and could not believe it when you talked about the sounds from hell tonight. My uncle had told me this story a couple of years ago, and I didn't believe him. Like one of your listeners who discounted the story as nothing more than just a religious newspaper fabricated account. The story about the digging of the hole and the hearing of the sounds from hell is very real. It did occur in Siberia. My uncle collected videos and audio tapes and so forth on the paranormal, supernatural. He passed away fairly recently, but he would have loved your show. He let me listen to one of the audio tapes that he had on the sounds from hell in Siberia, and I copied it. He received his copy from a friend who worked at the BBC. It took me a while to find it tonight, but attached is that sound from my uncle's tapes. It's not the greatest quality, but the sounds are there. I was very hesitant to send you this, as the sound bothers me to listen to. I'd suggest that if you do play it on the program, warn listeners in advance so they may have the option of turning the radio off for 30 seconds while it plays. It has always haunted me. To those who discounted the Siberia sounds from Hell's story, it is true, and I, for one, wish it wasn't. Rick, listening from Chicago. And so I submit now the cleaned, uh, a better copy to you, and uh, I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. <laughs> Allegedly, sounds from hell. Rest in peace, Art Bell. You were fantastic, man. You were great. 226, Global News at 2.30 next. Thank you very much, TFJ. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. Hopefully getting to 9 degrees this afternoon. My weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, earlier said Sunday, Monday, maybe 15 degrees, which would be just phenomenal. We'll keep our fingers crossed on that. want to talk about the inductees into the Rock Hall of Fame in a bit, and i got to talk about The Walking Dead in a bit as well. But let me tell you about our next guest, all right? Our next guest is in town for Mode Shift. This is a series of exciting presentations, discussions, and workshops into the rapidly changing world of modern transportation. Here's a quote from her. If you can change the street, 
you can change the world. She is considered one of the leading voices on urban transportation policy, Jeanette Sadek Khan, internationally respected for her transformative redesigns of New York City streets and rapid implementation strategies that are being replicated today in cities around the world. She's doing lots in New York City with the pedestrianization of Times Square and that city's, New York City's, 400 miles of new bike lanes and protected cycle paths in New York City. So I'm excited to talk to her about Portage and Maine and also Winnipeg's drive to build a connected bike path network. She's got a book called Street Fight, Handbook for an Urban Revolution. And joining us now on the phone, all right, apparently we don't have her on the phone yet. We will have her in just a moment, Jeanette Sadek-Khan. All right, so while we're waiting for her to join us, that's kind of what's going on. That's why she's here and what she's all about. And again, this uh, event called Mode Shift is on, and uh, she is giving a presentation tonight at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. And by the way, if you get her, uh, if you get uh, tickets to go to that event tonight, you get her book as part of the deal. All right, so I'm not sure what's going on, but we she called, and then uh, she was to call back. She was there, and now she's not there. So we'll find out in just a second what's going on. All right, let me move on to uh, a couple other things. Let me just do celebrity birthdays real quick, and as soon as uh, she is available, we'll talk to her. All right, Bobby Vinton is having a birthday today. Bobby Vinton is 83. Can you believe that? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, former uh, NBA great, 71 years old. Uh, Ellen Barkin is having a birthday today, 64. Jimmy Osmond, he was the youngest of the Osmonds, I think. Jimmy Osmond, 55. Martin Lawrence is 53. John Cryer from Two and a Half Men, 53. And uh, Max, off of uh, Stranger Things on Netflix, his name is uh, Sadie Sink. Max is 16. There you go. Some celebrity birthdays. All right. Now, joining us on the phone, Jeanette Sadek-Khan. Jeanette, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Great to be here with you, Al. Yeah. So I've explained who you are, what you're all about, and that you're giving a presentation tonight at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. And I'd be curious to hear what you're doing in New York City because I think it sort of translates to a couple of areas here in Winnipeg. So talk a bit about what you're doing in New York City. I guess the term is uh, uh, pedestrianization of uh, Times Square specifically. Yes, well, what we did in New York City in six years under uh, Mayor Mike Bloomberg is show what was possible for the streets of the city beyond just moving cars as fast as possible from point A to point B. So we built uh, 625 kilometers of bike lanes. We built seven rapid bus lines. We launched the largest bike share system in North America, 60 plazas, and just showed that it's possible to transform your streets work, and you can even make traffic work better than it had before. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard about our Portage in Maine. It's a very famous intersection here in Canada, you know, supposedly the coldest corner in the whole country. And uh, our mayor and uh, some members of council want to open it up to pedestrians again after many years of it being closed off. Why is that a good idea? Why does that make sense? 
Well, I think it's very exciting. It could be sort of Winnipeg's Times Square. And when you open up streets for people on foot and more than just cars, what we've seen is it's better for everyone. In Times Square, we turned it into one of the top 10 retail locations on the planet. It was great for business because, you know, cars don't shop. People do. So when you make it easy for people to get in and out of the store, it's great for the bottom line of businesses. It also made it much safer. We saw injuries go down. And we showed that it's possible to design streets that work for everyone. Um, You can accommodate everyone if you don't force them to the side of the road or to fight over scraps of asphalt. And I guess the same uh, with bike paths, right? I mean, getting people on bikes as opposed to uh, in cars, that that makes sense as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's important to note it's not anti-car to reprogram a street to accommodate everyone who uses it. It's really about choice. And so if we make it possible for people to get around easier by bike and by foot and by bus, you know, it can work for everyone. Um, and it's it's really a down payment on a much better city. And I think, you know, Winnipeg has got it's young, it's vibrant. You feel the energy here, and it's exciting to see what's possible uh, to play with all the asphalt that you have here, the possibilities that are hidden in plain sight. I think the pushback, or at least part of the pushback here with Portage and Maine, people that don't think it's a great idea, they say, that's a lot of money. Why don't we spend that money fixing up our roads, which are in a really uh, are in really rough shape? What do you say to people like that? Uh, maybe comment about that specifically, because I think that's where some of the pushback comes from. They say, that's a lot of money. Let's spend it on making the roads better. The roads are a mess. Yeah, you know, it's not a lot of money to knock down a little concrete. And it's not a lot of money to build in new mobility. We um, built in the new bike lanes and the bus lanes and the plazas in New York City, and it was less than 1% of my capital budget. You know, it doesn't take years and it doesn't take millions of dollars to transform your streets. It takes looking at them a little differently and having some imagination about what's possible there. Okay. Well, I think our price tag for Portage in Maine is is millions, but I, I get what you I get what you're saying. You don't necessarily know the specifics of, uh, and, and we're waiting for more details too on on Portage in Maine and exactly what's going to happen there. But I, I agree with your theory. I, I think it does make sense to get people and and bikes walking and riding as opposed to, uh, you know, having having cars everywhere. But you have to change the way people think. Was that a challenge in New York City? How, how that's exactly the question, because a part of it is, you know, changing people's expectations for their streets and sort of changing the culture. You know, people are used to roads just being used for cars from getting as fast as possible from point A to B. And people really don't even know what to ask for because they've never really seen it uh, any differently. And so that's part of the status quo and, and changing the status quo. And, you know, people said in New York that these changes would never work, that our streets were too congested, too dangerous. It was going to block emergency vehicles. It was going to choke business. But, you know, none of those dire predictions came true. And our streets were never safer, better for the economy, no increase in uh, congestion. And so we've seen that, you know, fewer but better design lanes are are better for traffic and and better streets is better for business. And it's actually popular. At the end of the administration, we saw overwhelming support um, for these kinds of changes. And so it's it's um, I think 
uh, not even a matter of time. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of uh, political will uh, to make it happen. Well, I think it's great that you're here and that you're going to talk to Winnipeggers about this because uh, I, I definitely do. I, I'm not sure how well you know us here in Winnipeg, but I think sometimes we we push back against change. We don't seem to like change much, but I guess that's sort of the way it is everywhere, right? I mean, is that something you, you're used to dealing with? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you all transportation is is local, you know, and cities really don't talk about transportation in their streets. They really fight about them. And people are really passionate about their streets. And the fact that people argue only really underscores, you know, how important they really are. But, you know, this change is difficult and, and people have a lot invested in the status quo. But but given the choice, people will choose better streets. And that's, you know, what we've seen. And I think, you know, Backlash, actually, that pushback is a sign that you're doing something right. You know, um, there people who try to change the street are, are taking a risk and backlash is a part of that job. But, you know, you have to work hard to provide streets that work for everyone. It's a fight, but it's a fight that we can win and it's a fight that we must win um, for the future of our cities. And final question, I'll just get you to weigh in on rapid transit. This is another big expense that we're looking at. Why does that make sense? Well, it's important to give people choices for getting around. You know, it's kind of a basic uh, geometry question. And a city needs to move as many people as possible, not just vehicles. You know, and a person in a car takes up more space than a person on foot or, or on transit. And if you think of a city's transportation grid, like your body's circulatory system, you know, roads that are crammed with single occupancy vehicles are, are the kind of clogged arteries of your city. So really, whatever kind of transit it is, LRT or BRT, you know, either way, an investment in transit is an investment in the future of uh, Winnipeg. And it's one the city really can't afford not to make. Jeanette, thank you. Really nice chatting with you. Thanks, Hal. All right, that is Jeanette Sadek Khan. She is an author. She has a book out called Street Fight, Handbook for an Urban Revolution. She's speaking tonight at the Winnipeg Art Gallery as part of Mode Shift, a series of presentations, discussions, and workshops on uh, the rapidly changing world of modern transportation. She has uh, opened up Times Square more to pedestrians. She's been involved in New York City with the bike paths there as well. And uh, she'll be talking about that and what we're doing here in Winnipeg tonight at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. Really interesting. She says, here's a quote again. I'll read it for you again. If you can change the street, you can change the world. We'll take a break. 2.44. Coming up on quarter to three. Hal Anderson on CJOB. All right, uh, I'm going to talk a little uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here, and we are also going to talk uh, a little Walking Dead. So on the weekend, veteran bands, Bon Jovi, Dire Straits, The Cars, and the Moody Blues, as well as the late singer Nina Simone were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. That happened on Saturday night. Just so you know, to be eligible for this honor, the artists must have released their first commercial recording at least 25 years before the year of induction. The 2018 nominees all released their first official recordings before 1992. Presenters Saturday night at the Public Call Gala included Mary J. Blige, Ann Wilson, Brandon Flowers, and Howard Stern. You can watch the ceremony on HBO when they air it on May 
the 5th. All right, so here is John Bon Jovi uh, talking uh, at the microphone about being inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame. The record came out in 1984 and Runaway cracked the top 40. We toured the U.S. with the Scorpions and then we went to Europe with Kiss and then on to Japan for the first time with Whitesnake. We learned how to win over a crowd that doesn't know your name, doesn't know your songs, or even understand your language, all in 40 minutes or less. So to all of us, to all of those who allowed us to open for you and to learn from you along the way, I say thank you. That's a good one. Bon Jovi, Runaway. Here is John Bon Jovi after the induction talking about what it means to him and the rest of the band. Wonderful. Nostalgic. You know, I love those guys forever because when I had nothing and I meant nothing, they, they believed in it, you know, and then we accomplished a lot together. So it was, it was a wonderful night. I hate to admit it, but now I can. I think it, it's better now and it didn't happen nine years ago when we were first eligible. I think I just have a deeper appreciation for everything. You know, after all I've been through in the last few years, to come back in the way that we did and, and then to, to be given this gift, it, it's not taken lightly. John Bon Jovi. I mentioned that Ann Wilson was one of the presenters. Here she is talking about the late Chris Cornell. Chris was my friend, and he was at the very heart of the... Seattle music scene and beyond. I miss him, but I realized that he went as far as he could in this world with his soul. He couldn't go any farther. All right, Ann Wilson. And uh, one more here. I mentioned Dire Straits was inducted, right? But uh, without its lead singer, Mark Knopfler, he was not there. He did not turn up for the ceremony. And uh, bassist John Ilsley was left on stage to explain Knopfler's uh, absence. I know there's been um, a lot of speculation about um, the fact that Mark's not here, but I can assure you it's just a personal thing. (laughs) It's for personal reasons. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. Just a personal thing. That's why he's not there. Anyhow, every one of those I'm in full agreement with. Bon Jovi, Dire Straits, The Cars, Moody Blues... Nina Simone, yeah, some good ones there. Okay, now, before I talk about The Walking Dead, I have to play this, all right? I got to play this, or otherwise I'll get in trouble. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! All right, so I'm going to talk about The Walking Dead here, all right? So just if you have not watched the show last night, the season finale of The Walking Dead, I'm going to play some clips here. That you may not want to hear, all right? So just warning you right now. 
What a great ending to the season last night. The Walking Dead. So, of course, the battle's on between Rick and Negan and uh, and everybody else, right? And Rick, at the end, spoiler alert, I've warned you now, spoiler alert, at the end, Rick kind of tricks Negan. Rick's talking about uh, Carl, his his dead son, kind of tricks Negan into letting his guard down, and then Rick stabs him in the throat. Ten. Nine. Carl said it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a fight anymore. He was wrong. Eight. No. No. He was right. Negan's relaxing, and then Rick gets him. Right in the throat. Ooh, that was dirty. But it's Negan. He deserved it. <laughs> so Negan is, is on the ground. He's bleeding. And Rick says to the doctor... Go help Negan. Save him. And Maggie loses it. No! Maggie! No, he can't! No! No, he killed Glenn! He killed Glenn! We have to. We have to end it! Rick! We have to make it right! Not over till he's dead. No wonder she wants Negan dead. He killed Glenn. Negan killed her man, Glenn, right? And I gotta, I know I'm going a little long here, but I gotta play this. So at the end, Maggie basically sets up next season talking to uh, Daryl and Jesus. Maggie's got a plan. This is what's coming up on The Walking Dead next season. Rick was right about not killing all the saviors. He was right. It was not about Negan. So what does that mean, Maggie? We have a lot to do. We have to build this place up, make it work better than before, make it thrive for the people who live here. We need our strength, the ability to defend ourselves better. We have to have that. We will. But Rick and Michelle, Rick was wrong to do what he did. Michelle too. So we're gonna bide our time, wait for our moment, and then we're gonna show him. Yeah. It's going to be good. Next season's going to be good. This season, I was sort of losing interest, you know? Walking Dead wasn't as good, but now it looks like it could get good again. All right, that's it. I'm done. The news at three is next. Thank you very much, TFJ. 306.
We're going to talk in about uh, 10 minutes or so about mayo chop, the latest condiment they've come up with, ketchup and mayo, mayo chop, and muchos kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys have put a song together on that, so we'll play the song for you coming up here in about 10 minutes. You heard about this in the news. Victims of sexual violence can now file an anonymous report with police. It's called third-party reporting. And joining us on the phone now to talk about it, Rochelle Squires, the status of women minister here in the province of Manitoba. Good afternoon, Rochelle. Hi, Hal. How are you today? Great. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, First of all, let me just say congratulations on uh, your incredible courage talking about your uh, sexual assault in your past. I, I thought that was really powerful and uh, and meant a lot to other survivors out there. Thank you very much for saying that, Hal. It means yeah. a lot to me. Talk about third-party reporting. We found out about this today. Uh, Winnipeg police are going to do this. Maybe just explain it. The first time I had heard of this was a couple of months ago with you. You told me about it on this show. That's right. I've been um, advocating for third-party reporting pretty much since I got elected, and I think that it is a very important uh, tool for survivors of sexual violence to have uh, a little bit of control given back to them after um, a traumatic experience that has taken so much control away from them. We know that survivors don't um, often feel that there's a path forward in, in terms of sharing their story with officials, and we're just uh, wanting to provide them with greater options. And third-party reporting is, certainly it doesn't take the place of a, of a police investigation or a police report. Survivors are always welcome to go to the police if they have um, the, the courage and, and the fortitude to go directly to police. That's always available. But today what we're doing is making it available for their stories to be heard and shared with law enforcement if they um, uh, choose to disclose to uh, Clinic Sexual Assault Crisis Centre or um, Heart Medicine Lodge through Gunnagunnachik or Sage House through Mount Carmel Clinic. Those, um, those agencies will be able to take um, a survivor's experience and then provide the details to the police um, anonymously. And then the police would be able to observe trends. And if they want to um, receive more, invest- uh, more information to begin an investigation, then they contact the survivor. And the survivor really has the, has the control as to when she would or if she would um, uh, participate in an investigation. Yeah. Are other jurisdictions moving toward this quickly as well? So BC and Yukon have third-party reporting and parts of Ontario. So when I was at the um, Fed, Federal Provincial Territorial um, Minister's meeting with my colleagues in the status of women across Canada, we had uh, talked about this at great length, and I was joined with the Chiefs of Police and the Deputy Commissioner of the RCMP to uh, really uh, champion this for all jurisdictions across country. Law enforcement have, have agreed unanimously that they would like to see this in, in other jurisdictions across the country. Um, that way, it would provide them with greater um, a, a greater nationwide database to uh, track trends and, and gather information. And so, um, it's it's available for other jurisdictions. But I'm very pleased that Manitoba is taking a lead. And today was an incredibly important step for survivors of sexual assault in our province. Rochelle, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Rochelle Squires, the status of women minister here in the province of Manitoba on third-party 
reporting. I asked you uh, right at the top of the show about whether or not you would have to work past the age of 70. Uh, And I got an email here from uh, Carol. I'm going to read it in just a second. They surveyed 5,000 workers just last week. And more than one in three, 37% expect to work past the age of 70. That is up 30% from just a couple of years ago. So more people uh, having to work later in life. Only one in four, or about 26%, expect to be able to retire before 65. That is down almost 30% from 2015. Here's Carol's uh, email, hal at cgob.com. My inbox is always open. Yes, Hal, I'm going to say I will be working probably until 70 because I have to. My husband has had health issues since he was 40, hasn't worked full-time since then. He's now 68. I really like my job, so it isn't hard for me to come to work. That's half the battle, isn't it? Our children, grandchildren no longer live in Winnipeg, so that won't affect my decision. Perhaps I will win the lottery, and then, yes, I will retire before I turn 70. I'm 63 now. Thank you, Carol, for the email. By the way, my inbox always open, hal at cjob.com. And I think, uh, as we can see from the numbers in this survey, and certainly based on Carol's email, I think people are, yep, having to work longer maybe past the age of 70. And we're going to come back and play that song, Muchos Kilos, Me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys, Mayo Chup, right? Mayo and Ketchup. It's a new condiment. Uh, Not available here yet, but we were talking about it last week, so we did up a song on that. But I'll I'll tell you this. I I told you earlier there's a North Carolina restaurant that has unveiled a tarantula burger. Here's what's on this burger. Uh, and this is all over the internet if you want to check it out. It's uh, beef. It's not uh, made from tarantula meat. It's pasture-raised beef, a patty. It's got cheese, spicy chili sauce, oven-roasted tarantula on top. There is actually oven-roasted tarantula on top of this burger. Would you eat it? Not me. Mm-mm. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. Quick break, we'll check traffic and weather, and then we're coming back with that song. Hal Anderson on CJOB. All right, Mayo Chup, this new condiment. By the way, I'll just quickly uh, read a text message here from Andy. We were talking about the uh, uh, burger with the roasted tarantula on top. Andy says, Hal, oven roasted tarantula appeals to me not to eat. It's just that I feel all spiders should be killed with fire. You're uh, with my wife, Andy. She feels the same way. You should see every year what we deal with at the cottage. Those huge killer, sp- killer spiders that I have to deal with. Uh, here's the condiment, okay? It's called mayo chup. It's a mix of mayo and ketchup. It is actually, I had never heard of it before, but in the States and parts of the U.S., it's called fry sauce or fancy sauce. I think they're going to start with this. Heinz is going to start with mayo chup in the Arab Gulf states, and then they're going to bring it to the U.S. No word on when it might come to Canada. But me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys, Muchos Kilos, sat down and did a song all about it. Here you go. It's called Mayo Chup on CJOB. They put some mayo into a jar. Catch if it's a brand new star Your sandwich won't be plain It is made by Heinz That's the company name My fries taste better I eat them so fast A brand new product It's new and won't last Keep on eating Trust my 
chop muchos kilos, me, Shane, and Timmy, my band of big guys. I'll give it a try. I don't know. It doesn't sound all that special, but mayo chop. I'm going to give it a try. A few people say it's really good with uh, fries. That's why they call it uh, fry sauce in some parts of the U.S. So I will give it a try. All right. So have you been following the latest uh, Donald Trump soap opera? I told you about this on Friday. I played some clips. Uh, George Stephanopoulos talked to James Comey, the former FBI director who Donald Trump fired. And there was a big hour-long special on TV last night of this uh, interview. Here are uh, some highlights from what Comey had to say on TV last night about President Donald Trump. Honestly, never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I don't know whether the current president of the United States with, with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow in 2013. It's possible, but I don't know. Do you think the Russians have something on Donald Trump? I think it's possible. I don't know. I think these are more words I never thought I'd utter about a president of the United States, but it's possible. That's stunning. You can't say for certain that the president of the United States is not compromised by the Russians. Yeah, it is stunning, and I wish I wasn't saying it, but it's just, it's the truth. It always struck me and still strikes me as unlikely and I would have been able to say with high confidence about any other president I dealt with, but I can't. It's possible. A person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville, who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, who lies constantly about matters big and small and insists the American people believe it, that person's not fit to be president of the United States on moral grounds. Our president must embody respect and adhere to the values that are at the core of this country, the most important being truth. This president is not able to do that. He is morally unfit to be president. Former FBI boss James Comey, fired by Donald Trump. Can you tell he's got a book coming out? Yeah, he's got a book coming out, and so he's doing the interview circuit, and that was uh, him talking to George Stephanopoulos at ABC. Now... Um, some people are suggesting that uh, perhaps he called this uh, weekend strike on Syria to distract and take away from uh, Comey and some of uh, uh, Comey's comment. But now Britain's leader is coming under fire over this strike in Syria. She is trying to justify her decision to launch airstrikes in Syria without a vote in that country's parliament. Listen. He needed to intervene rapidly. British Prime Minister Theresa May defended Britain's decision to join the US and France in hitting Syrian targets. This was not about intervening in a civil war, and it was not about regime change. It was about a limited, targeted and effective strike that sought to alleviate the humanitarian suffering of the Syrian people. May rejected critics who suggested that the British participation was done at President Trump's request. Lana Zak, ABC News, Washington. So obviously we'll keep an eye on Trump, the situation in Syria. As you can hear, there's some discussion in Britain about this uh, strike in Syria and obviously Comey. And as we speak, Trump's lawyer is having a hearing and uh, we'll obviously, uh, you know, watch with some interest and tell you what happens as we go along. Got to take a break here. We'll check the forecast, sports, and news on the way.